Okay, welcome back, folks. This is uh, episode three of Reload Podcast. My name's Nigel Lamont. I'm Connor McCann. And I'm Lee Maxwell. And we're going to continue our Trophy Hunter episode this week. We're going to talk to Connor and Lee about their travels around the world to different shows. Before we even do that, actually, we're very, very happy to say we're now on iTunes. Yeah, it's been a long time Insert coming. triumphant music there, Connor, you know. <laughs> yeah, Steve Jobs gave us the... Uh, Big thumbs up. Big thumbs up. And it only took seven days for approval on the network. So It's uh, felt like seven weeks. Brand deals will come flying in now. Hopefully so. I'll be running about Nike trainers. and I'll accept free tools. Big thank you to everybody that has rated or reviewed so far. It helps the podcast if you haven't done already. And give us uh, a wee rate or review if you can. Yeah, please do. Every little bit, bit helps, as I say. All right, Tesco's. Just to remind you, Reload Podcast is brought to you in association with Reload Global. Bringing you all the best from Retro Motorsport over the years. Head over to Reload Global and check out our products. We have everything from cool stickers to cool clothing, cool hoodies, wall banners, everything Retro and Motorsport. Give it a wee uh, visit there, folks. Support the podcast. Right, so uh, moving on from that there, we'll just catch up with each other as usual. Connor, what's been happening? Uh, financial ruin with tires. Oh dear. Yep. So it continues, does it? Haven't had a puncture or blowout probably in, in ten years. Anything that couldn't be fixed, and I've caught myself cost myself three hundred and twelve pound on tires in a week between hitting steel. Yep, between hitting steel on the roads, hitting potholes in the roads with Lee's stupidly expensive nineteen inch tires. That's what I was going to say. Who have you cost this money on tires? Uh, who paid for it? It's my fault. I, I fixed it. Domestic already. Okay. Here we go. So, yeah, that's been as exciting and terrible as I've been with cars this last while. What about yourself? I left my BBS RKs over to the powder coaters to get refurbished. I'm going to put in the Corrado this year, I'm thinking. So I left them over to get um, refurbed. You had pictures of those on the Instagram page for people to rate on, wasn't it? Is that the, the story I put yeah, it on there. On yeah. That was the 18s. And everybody didn't want them on it instead of those ads. No, I think so those ads are perfect on it. I just, you know. Went against the grain anyway. Went against the grain, you know. Yeah, some. YOLO. Yeah. Worthwhile introduction with people. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, but you're wrong. You yeah. Know, that sort of thing. <laughs> Please tell me what I want to hear. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm just going to, I'm going to refurb them, put them on, see what they look like. Uh, I'm fully committed, but we'll see how it goes. In fairness, they don't look bad on it. Yeah, um, I just like the OEM Plus look, but yeah, I know what you're saying about those Ed Pegasus. Also this week, I finally serviced the 4Motion Golf, and thanks to Andy Maxwell, let me his shed and ramps. Yeah, um, it's much, much easier life when you have yeah, that. Yeah, it's so easy to service them cars and a ramp. I forgot how much oil them engines hold. Yeah, six and a half litres, I think, is it? Five and a half. Five and a half, just enough that you have to buy two tins or two yeah, drums, uh, yeah. Thank you, thank you, Volkswagen. Yep, got that serviced. 20 minute job, really handy on the lift. And uh, I don't think I swore once, which oh, is no. good. Yeah, you know. well, is it good if you're not swearing? Uh, this is true. It's maybe too easy. But then you have the right facilities and the right tools, it helps. Yeah, you know. true. Oh, it makes uh, life a lot easier. That's all that's happened to me this week. Lee, anything good? Well, since last time I was here, I went and picked up the Jetta that we spoke about the last time. So nice. Good times. That was fun. It goes well. It definitely does. Yeah, I hear it sounds a bit good. It sounds unreal. I drove down the road behind you in your Sirocco and on an imaginary stretch of road which doesn't exist anywhere a in the UK. A closed stretch of road. A closed Mac stretch of road, yes. You drove to Mexico, did you? Yeah, we came home via somewhere where there was a bit of a race course and you opened it up coming off a certain roundabout onto a certain street and I was struggling to catch you in the Sirocco. <laughs> that thing was, and it's still not set up right, like it's going really well. Yeah, so I think it needs a little bit of few tweaks on the carbs but apart from that it's running pretty well apart from the fact that i ran out of petrol on the way home yeah like half a mile from the guy's <laughs> house 
yeah. the way to the petrol station. The fuel that- gauge hadn't moved at all. So I assumed it's an old car. The fuel gauge obviously just doesn't work because the Nova was like that. It gets stuck at the bottom. Yeah. And so And the guy said, no, I'm pretty sure there's a, a good quarter tank in it. No, there was a good quarter mile in it. That was about it. <laughs> yeah, it was literally a quarter mile. So, of course, but you, the worst of it was you could see the petrol station from where you stopped. Yeah. It was so annoying. That engine's bravely well sorted, isn't it? It's yeah, the clutch out. is uh, interesting, to but say the least. What's that race clutch? Yeah, there's a race clutch in it, and Lee hasn't got the racing leg yet. Not uh, quite. Is that an 18 bored out, a 2.1 or so? A two-liter bottom end. It's a two-liter. It's the nine A from the Corrado, and then it's punched yeah. out to two point one. That'll be a serious. Pe- that'll be. Should be near two hundred. Yeah. Should um, be. There's before it was run in. I think there's a rolling road cert on it. Was one fifty at the wheels. So um, one seventy, one eighty at the moment. Yeah, and that was like before it was run in, just when they were setting up the carbs and stuff on it. Yeah. So it should be like once it's loosened up. I think Anthony did two or three thousand mile on it. Should be well loosened up by now. That's good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting that on the road. However, my problem might be that uh, I might not be able to get an MOT on it. Yeah, well, that is a problem for everyone at the moment. That leads us nicely on the latest fiasco in Northern Ireland motoring. Uh, Northern Ireland government. Yeah, the government's back in power, but the fiascos just keep on rolling. What are the back two weeks and the entire MOT structure has shut um, down? So basically, if you haven't, if you've been living under a rock in Northern Ireland, the MOT stations which are must be about 15 in the Northern Ireland. Yeah. Gover- government appointed MOT inspection centres for all the cars. Yeah, so it's not like in England where you can bring it to a garage. It yeah. has to be done at these centres, the yeah. government run, as you say. Um, for years now, there's been controversies with understaffing, waiting times being ridiculous, particularly last year. Yeah, it was like six-month wait sort of thing. They had to open on Sundays and bank holidays, um, and it had nothing to do with the workers trying to get more overtime, obviously. Oh, no. None at all. Well, now the latest fiasco is basically... The German-made Maha lifts have all cracked under stress. Yeah, I think it was a routine inspection for insurance purposes, maybe. Yeah. And they went around and seen that there was a lot of stress cracks, not actually around the wells, but along the steel the itself. Steel. Someone has messed up along the line there somewhere. But how, like any job I've ever worked in with lifting equipment, the users inspect it weekly and monthly. Yeah, how so they get away with it. Yeah, so how, obviously someone's not inspecting something and for it to be picked up by the insurance, that's a, a yearly inspection. There's something wrong there. Yeah, that looks bad for sure. Yeah, so... But it it, it has serious implications for used car dealers as well. Their trades on sneeze because they can't get... Yeah, guys get are... Sell cars without MOTs. Yeah, and those guys will have that sitting on the lot. They don't want to MOT it until it's sold, obviously. So how are they going to sell something with so, no MOT? So basically, somebody has screwed up somewhere... And it's going to cost the taxpayer millions to buy all these new lifts. Sure, when does it not? I'm going the to south of Ireland now have the same problems as well. Have you heard that? They were using the same lifts. The yeah. NCT centres in the south using the same lifts. The entire island of Ireland is screwed. Um, so, so basically we're all going to be running about in uh, sheds for the next year or so until the government sorts it out. Yeah, they have extended some of the current MOTs, but in the likes of your case and Lee's case, where you don't have MOT currently on a car is no one knows what to do. There's talk of people booking stuff, turning up anyway, and they're inspecting it if they have the time. Yeah. But they're prioritizing taxis and newer cars, which is up for their first MOT, and they're doing them over the lorry lanes, over the pits. It's just a shambles. I could see them being very quick inspections. I kind of thought that. I was like, hmm, I wonder if you could sneak a Mark III in there. <laughs> like, don't look too close to that. Stenoline have jumped on the bandwagon as well. They put up an advert on Facebook the other day saying... Day return or something? Yeah, day return to Cairn Ryan, the land of MOT centres. Yeah, oh, cheap boats over to Scotland to get their MOT. 
They ain't sleeping anyway, that's for sure. No, some of the PR guys are on the ball. <laughs> also in automotive news, since the last time I was here, uh, Connor and I were over in Glasgow a couple of weeks ago. I think it was two weeks ago. We visited the Riverside Museum, which is an automotive museum. And it looks kind of small from the outside and looks like there's not a lot in it. But wow, we must have spent two and a half hours in there and it was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, there's like a quiz you can take for your kids to go around. You answer all the stuff on the quiz in relation to what you're looking at for the cars, you know, and you have to try and find all the clues. Yes, we spent, I did the quiz Yeah, and I got a sticker. Oh, you give me a sticker too, it's okay. <laughs> so we Very two, interactive then. Yeah, so good. Like, yeah. I mean... We're both in our 30s and we're running about like two kids for two and a half hours doing this quiz. <laughs> so, no, you've Knock, ever... Knocking five-year-olds out of the road. I need to answer to this. Yeah, kick them off the balcony. <laughs> so, uh, that everything from skateboards, bicycles, right through to the motorbikes from browse superiors back in the start of the 1900s up to the modern Ducatis and the long way around and long way down bikes. I wanted to say that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that series. It was absolutely fantastic. We actually yeah. just watched it there yesterday. That must be 10 years ago, that. The first Two, episode, was 2004. it? 2004. You're joking me. 16. Yeah. Flip me. But it's so good and... Just for anyone listening, if you haven't watched that, look it up. The, the basis of that is that's Ewan McGregor's best friend, basically. Yeah, they're both, both actors. Bikes. I think they met through, it tells you at the start, but they met through a film, didn't they? And they became yeah. good friends. And him and Charlie Borman decided, I think he said they originally wanted to go to Spain. I thought, why don't we ride around the world? Yeah, it's a little bit different. Yeah, so they went a bit further than Spain, but... It just took him a couple of months. Like, he had a gap between film jobs. Yeah, three months they were away. And, and I think at various stages he met up with his wife and she came out to meet him and stuff. They came over at the very end and met them, but the stuff that those guys went through was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah so cars-wise then in that place you had, you had stuff that was actually built in Scotland in the early 1900s that the, when cars were being developed that you'd never heard of. You think UK car manufacturers is all, you have your General Motors, you know, your Vauxhalls, Bedfords, Minis, you know, you're just like, what the hell is this? I mean, um, the, the, years ago, there was everybody was making cars, and then some of the manufacturers got swallowed up, or they just disappeared. Yeah, and the survivors got big then. Yeah. yeah, like see some of the American car manufacturers when you look into them, there was loads of them. And now, what have you got now? You've got Ford, GM, Chevrolet. Yeah, Not GM is Chevrolet. Isn't yeah, it? a lot of I think a lot of them are actually all under the same umbrella too. Uh, so you look at the way. Jaguar. I think it's no, it's basically Ford and GM now, isn't it? Jaguar got passed around by Tata, uh, who owned them at one point. You know, it's like a village bicycle, basically, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, anything to do with transport, you had gliders as well, Lee, wasn't there? There was gliders and planes and trains and Ste- boats. And they had a steam train on the second floor of the building. I was just like, how does that not come through the roof? <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> sort of the engineering side of me is going, how does that not go through the roof? And the other side of me is going, how did it get up there? Basically what you're saying is you need the guy that designed that building to build the lifts for MOT. Yes. Yeah, that would actually <laughs> work very good. <laughs> Do you yeah. see what I've done there, Connor? <laughs> Here, but when you talked about running out of petrol, I have a funny story. I run out of petrol when I was a teenager. So yes, yeah, so have I. <laughs> I used to work in a place in Belfast in the outskirts. It was like a wedding function place. It was in Barnett's Domain, Shaw's Bridge. You have to, it's like a country park and there's this manor house in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. So when I was at uni, that was my part-time job. Earn a few quid. I was driving a wee polo, Coupe AS. I never really found out where the reserve ran out on that. Oh, it's always fun doing that. So there's one night going in for a function. It was about five or six o'clock. It was rush hour. Didn't have time to stop for a pat on. The light just came on. I just went, oh, it'll be grand. It'll be grand. It well, sorry, the, the light had been on for a while. 
and I didn't have time to stop for paddling. I just went, I'll stop for paddling on the way home. Done the eight-hour shift, came out at about two o'clock in the morning, got into my car. You have to drive through the sort of wee mini forest park and I started the car and two o'clock in the morning, on a Saturday night, young, uh, gullible boy like myself, didn't know much about the world and I've seen all these cars parked up in various places. <laughs> I, think I was going, what's going on here? You know, go wasn't, on by, wasn't that dumb, but I knew there was something going on. Going by the area that you're in, I think I know where this is going. <laughs> and uh, got about halfway out and there's always 24-hour security at the function uh, in the manor house. Okay. So chug, 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 Nigel on the paddle. Next thing, lights started flashing. Cars drove up, stopped. How's it going? <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Was there going, a few right. friendly gentlemen here to help you, was there? So I walked back. This was this was the end of the nineties. I didn't have a mobile phone. I walks back to the security hut. And I says, "Oh, can I borrow your phone? I have to phone my dad and um, come bring paddle. I've run out of paddle." I says, "What's all going down there?" He says, "Oh, this is the biggest hotspot for the men's <laughs> <laughs> men's scene the men's in Northern scene. Ireland." You borrow some paddle, your phone, and some lube. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah. So an hour later, my dad came at three o'clock in the morning with the paddle. Couldn't get the car started. So I had the tow. The car out of the forest park, whatever you want to call it. Him towing me out. Car still flashing. <laughs> I, I was going to say, at least there were a few guys to give you a hand anyway. And more ways than one. <laughs> so uh, that's my tale from running out of petrol anyway. <laughs> oh, be, you got a core surprise there. Yeah. So, sorry. Yeah, I, I just thought it was funny when you were talking about running out of petrol. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Also latest in the news. Recently... Barrett Jackson Auctions in America. They had their start of the year 2020 auction. And the biggest news that came out from it was Paul Walker of Fast and Furious fame. A lot of his cars got sold off. Um, the highlight of it was he had five E36 M3 lightweight editions. Mm-hmm. Um, Very rare. The five of them sold for $1.3 million. That is colossal. The best of them was one that had 4,600 miles. And it sold for £385,000. Yeah, so serious amount of money. I can guarantee you, well, not guarantee you, but I would have a suspicion. Do you ever see the YouTube video with the guy on the West Coast that has the rare BMW collection? You think it's he's picked I it up? I would say he would, I forget the name of the guy, but I would say he's probably picked up some of them. But there's a whole lot of rare cars. Um, His collection, I've seen a video of it a few yeah. years ago, and it's just unbelievable. Other cars in it were... Um, Pretty special Skyline R32, uh, Nissan 370Z from Fast and Furious, one of the films of that. And then he had a Mustang Boss 302S race car. A couple of E30 M3s went yeah. through. You know. I don't know what. I don't know if that was going to the state of Paul Walker family or it was a charity thing or what. I thought it was going towards somebody with his daughter. Right. But I'm not sure on that now. Okay. I, I didn't take much to do with it. Yeah, some scary money raised. The Paul Walker name. Obviously helped with the value of some of them. Orders. But even even taking his name out of it, that collection that he has, have you ever seen around it? It's have you seen it? No. No. It's I watched a YouTube video and the collection he had, and you hear people saying, "Oh, he's big in those cars, big in cars," and you would hear people say that, "Yeah, oh, he's big in those cars," trying to justify. Uh, but then when you actually it. see the collection, you realize he hasn't just collected cars; he's collected a lot of limited edition, really rare. Yeah, he, he is in those cars, or was in those cars, big style. And not not even necessarily supercars, as no. you say. Uh, driver cars. Say, driver cars, yeah. Common, common people's achievable Yes, yeah. you know. Uh, well, maybe when they were new. I was <laughs> going to say, yeah, yeah, they were then, but maybe not now. Also this week, I think I've talked about it before, but I'm a big fanboy of YouTube channel Harry's Garage. I can't even say that. Um, Harry's Garage. Don't know why I said garage. Is he English or American? He's English. Oh, that's Deffy Garage. Yeah, he's 
the owner of Evo Magazine in the UK. He's also a farmer. He has a YouTube channel, Harry's Farm. He's probably... <laughs> the man's branching out. Yeah, he's... He's in his 60s, What's but next, he's... next, Harry's Kitchen? Oh, you never know. Harry's Bar. Yeah. We've all those in Banbury. I, I, I love his videos. And the one he put out, he always does these epic road trips. Like, he took a Rolls Royce, an old Rolls Royce, way up to the North, Nordic Circle. He took a Ferrari to Morocco. The latest one, he used to have uh, the one of the Defenders, SVX, Special Project Defender Spectres, from the Bond films. Yeah. That's basically like a Defender on steroids. He used to have it. He said he kept it for a couple of years on his farm. Couldn't justify it. Fella approached him, offered him good money on it. Made some good money on it. Then, turns out, a couple of years later, sold at auction for 300,000 odd pounds. And this fella in Austria bought it. And he stuck it up the top of a mountain, which was a ski resort, which were, was where they shot. Was it Skyfall, the one when they were up? Uh, it's in a ski resort, Solden in Austria. So, I think I've actually seen that one, which is odd for me. As Harry does, he doesn't do anything by halves. He also has a Lotus Esprit Turbo of uh, Roger Moore, James Bond fame yeah. films. So he'd done a road trip, him and the wife, drove all the way down. Did he drive out of the water on it? No, well, he, <laughs> I think he went in the Channel Tunnel under the water. You know, That's but, close uh, enough. But another brilliant video from Harry. He drove all the way up to the ski resort and got talking to the owner and seen his beloved defender at the top of the mountain. And it's half wrecked because everybody's jumping over the top of it. Oh, kids climbing over Wheel it. Wheel pulled off it and all, like a £300,000 lander. We're just sitting there. I hate that. And, that drives uh, me mad. No, his films are very interesting because he sort of reviews the Lotus Esprit as he drives down. He has the scenery driving through Austria. Just really another really enjoyable video from Harry. Yeah, it sounds good. I don't really watch very much YouTube stuff. I know you're a big, big fan of it and I don't know if you... No. No. You've loads of time in the hotels. You could watch away. Well, yeah, that's probably true. I'm a busy man, you know. But... <laughs> No, it does sound like something I actually would enjoy and I probably should check out. So what we'll do now is we'll move on to part two of uh, Trophy Hunter. This part of the podcast moves on from my mumblings about shows and moves on to Connor and Lee, far and wide travellers of the show scene. So uh, I'll let you guys just crack on here. Yeah, we'll go from there. I would also like to add that we weren't always international showgoers. It's something we've wanted to do for quite a long time from Lee and I first met each other and we're poor students and just kind of taking the opportunity now when we're a bit older and don't have any kids. good jobs. Yeah, well, we have decent enough jobs yeah. and with no kids and you need to spend your money on something. So yeah. why not go see different parts of the world and there are cars involved in it? Absolutely. It Hell just yeah. has become our holiday. We don't do go to the beach for a week or like a resort holiday or anything. The car shows is our holidays. Yeah, yeah. I would also like glad if you're after a girlfriend, try and find one like this because it's great. <laughs> that's the most romantic thing you've said it is, is it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think so it probably is yeah <laughs> do you want me to leave the room here <laughs> yeah we we did all the usual shows that you get, or you talked about in the last episode ultimate dubs all the local stuff over in England and there's probably not much point in going back to that because you've already covered it so our first international show was Wethersley yeah 2011 the show I've never been to yeah the one that everyone wants to do the one that I've been going to every year for the last five years but haven't made it yeah, yeah. mainly mainly because my, it was usually around the weekend of my daughter's birthday but now it's sort of moved towards the start of May does that mean you have no excuse this year <sighs> I think money's the main problem that's always the main problem <laughs> lucky guys you've been yeah Wethersley it's a mix it's a strange thing it's not necessarily what you think or what you expect no and that's not necessarily in a good way at times. I mean, 
I don't know if we need to go into if anyone who's listened to this probably knows about cars probably at least knows roughly what Worthersea is. It's essentially the the biggest Volkswagen show in the world and it's a lot of people regard it as the show you have to do once in a lifetime as such. It's become as well it's not just a weekend show anymore it's weeks before and a week after as yeah, well it, the whole thing runs essentially for about three weeks now and you have i think it got to the point where the show itself people it got very tacky and overcrowded and then the hardcore guys who were there for the love of the actual shows and the cars ended up going the week before and then kind of everything shifted that way and then they so when they were trying to avoid the main show and the chaos the chaos kind of tried to follow it so you could land like three of us could go at different times and experiences show in three totally different ways. Yeah. We, we kind of landed a bit before the show and then while the show was on and like the involvement the manufacturers have in it, it's just serious. Volkswagen, Seat, Audi, Skoda, they shut down the entire town and you essentially have a pass to drive around it but it's beyond anything you can imagine until you do it. At the same time, that was 2011, the Wagonworks videos were the big thing then. Oh, I remember then, they were just fantastic. Yeah, so you... No, nothing had been done like that before, the quality, like... Yeah, it was movie, so... Movie-style footage yeah. for a car show was never heard of. Really yeah, that, that was it was a big, big thing then. We were seeing stuff from where they see by those guys, and you're like, every car you see is unbelievable, it's so perfect, and that's kind of what we stupidly weren't expecting, but there's so much bad at it too. Bad in the regard of taste as opposed to badly done we saw the one that i will never forget is we saw an a3 fully wrapped in like burgundy and mustard colored leather yeah. all the whole car nice very nice you know it was <laughs> it was so tacky and so awful but so well executed yeah like and the quality of the work and the money on it too but yeah. just looked terrible you're probably talking no offense to that guy obviously <laughs> i'm sure he's not listening to be fine <laughs> yeah the, the difference you're talking a good 50-50 split on stuff that you would take home and stuff that you wouldn't be seen dead on. But uh, just talking to guys who went to it last year, their take from it was you go there way before the event now because the good stuff's there. Yeah. The tacky cars or the not-so-good stuff is closer to the event. Yeah. And another thing that's starting to become a problem is it's not a vague event anymore. I can see uh, comparisons between this and these two. Yeah, I think everything is this way. You talk to some of the guys over there, and you, you have talked to them. It's Some events are being ruined now. By Sometimes it's by people who were into Volkswagens and then move on to something else, but still want to do the Volkswagen shows. And then other times it's just social media hype something up, and every arsehole goes, yeah. I can go into that. I can go to Bernie to get yeah. in the after movie. Insta-famous. The after, the after movie starting to ruin show events. They're yeah. a victim of their own success sometimes, where a load of outsiders come who aren't even into any type of cars and just come for the drinking and the party. And it's a bit, it's a bit like the Northwest. I was here. actually about to say that, yeah, the Northwest 200 motorbike race. As bikers, we would have gone to the Northwest for the racing and obviously the crack and everything as well, but it was bikers and people who were interested in bike racing that went to the Northwest and people came from all over the world. Now it's everyone in Northern Ireland, near enough, as long as it doesn't clash with the Balmoral show, is in Portrush for the Northwest weekend and... Never see a bike, never even look near a race. No, it's just a drinking session. So it's like a, it's like a public holiday event. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. They just <laughs> take over and ruin it's us. It's the early 12th for bikers. <laughs> but we flew in with friends of ours, James and Claire. We flew into Amsterdam, hired a car, which was a Renault Scenic. And yeah, we talked about that the last time, the scene bus. Why you would take a Renault to Wethersea, yeah. But this thing just did its job so well. So I drove down from Amsterdam, right through Germany, 
stopped in the Porsche Museum on the way back, I think that was, wasn't it? Yes. Down into Austria, did the show, traveled the whole way back up. But on the way home, we had these major storms. And I'm like, I have never seen rain or thunder and lightning. Like the whole, it was like the end of the world. Oh, the lightning was amazing. I love storms. (laughs) Yeah. So, no, me too. But when you're traveling along the Autobahn and James is driving a left-hand drive car for the first time. Fearing for your life. Yeah. Everyone's (laughs) shitting themselves. But it's a reflection in James's driving, is it? Not at all. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it was a seriously hurry, and we had decided we would camp. So, <laughs> what are you laughing at? I just remembered the uh, Royal Mail, Royal Mail. Oh, <laughs> yeah. We um, James's first experience in the left-hand drive car. We, he he had obviously difficulties with there being a half a vehicle on the other side of him, which he wasn't used to. He near clipped a few fence posts at one stage and Claire yes. was giving off and being a manly man that he is he was like quit giving off about this and so she instead of shouting posts then we started shouting royal mail <laughs> yeah <laughs> so that was a wee bit better for him <laughs> but yeah it was just it was just a great laugh but we had camping gear with us because we we're going to camp the whole time because we we're young and poor these storms come on we're like we can't camp on this we'll be killed we're drowned or hit by lightning we ended up looking for hotels on the way back up the road. I had no smartphone on me back then, you know, and life's a lot easier now when you're trying to do things like that. So we just stopped at motels and random stuff. So we pulled up. James says to me, run in and see if they've got any rooms. So I come running through this torrential rain, lightning everywhere, burst through the door. And the first thing that hits me is this chanting. I'm like, what the hell is this? And it was like coming into like some gothic ritual where somebody was going to be stabbed in the middle of the floor and sacrificed. Like Waco or something? Yeah, it was so weird. And I, I sort of looked around. I was like, I think I would rather sleep outside than stay in this. <laughs> there must have been 50 people just chanting and humming in the hotel reception. I was like, this is freaky. So I said to the guy, I was like, have you any rooms? He's like, no, no. And I was like, thank fuck, I'm out of here. <laughs> Later. <laughs> yep. So that, that was, it was a strange experience. But no, Worthersea was good. The Wo- Shell Garage at Worthersea was our favourite bit. Yeah. As opposed to the actual town bit of the show. I mean, it was good too, where all the... The manufacturer stands and stuff were, but... At the other end of the lake, you have the big shell yards, which is where everyone likes to hang out, and it was brilliant. And that's where we met a couple of American guys, do you remember? That yeah, were the, in the army, army guys. And it was such a relief to us, because we'd been there for a week, and barely anybody else spoke English, or if they did, they didn't want to speak to us, I no. don't know, it could have been a bit of both. And suddenly we heard these American voices speaking English, and we were like, can we be friends with you? Yeah, those guys <laughs> talk were... our language, hello. <laughs> those guys were cool, so they, they were in the army, based in Germany, and they'd shipped their cars over to there, Yeah, and I think one of them was an R32 Mark V, and it was static, three-piece wheels, uh, it was a really nice car. And then Tony, he had a bagged Mark V GTI. Strange saying it was a full US spec yoke with German plates on it. He had three-piece work wheels and stuff on it. But those were really nice cars back then. But it was just cool getting to see people and going, just these aren't from around here either. No, no. I think now an important part of Worthersea, just from talking to friends who were there in the last few years, I think a week before the uh-huh. actual main event is XS Night show. Okay. In Felden. Is it is Felden? Is yeah, it? in the town there. Yeah. And apparently it, it's becoming a bigger... Than the actual show it, it's itself. It's the must-do now. Like, they sold out last year. And is, is it Volkswagen only, German only, or all brands? Or? I think it's a German-based. So it's still tying into the roots of yeah. it, essentially. But apparently it, it's the best of the best go there. Mm-hmm. And it's becoming a big 
I must look for that part yeah. of the thing now, you know. XS Carmag run it. And yeah, it's they a run, they, magazine. Run, they run several events through the year and they're just a massive brand now. They're a major part of where they're seen down here, you know. So the next one we went to then international wise was a bit of a coincidence. Um we were in America for Lee doing our bar exam, the New York bar exam. Yeah, we didn't go specifically for a show. But no. we well, we actually did two shows, kind of. Sort of. You wouldn't really count that as a show. It was more like standing in somebody's back garden. But yeah, we were over. We did two weeks of Lee revising and doing exams and stuff like that. And the third week for ourselves was just, we didn't, we had nothing planned. And what do you do while Lee was revising? Were you oh, looking at the local bars or what? Yeah, I'm a mixture of that. I found a few like local custom shops, called in with those guys, okay. um, went and got drunk. I came back to Lee at four o'clock in the afternoon. She was studying. I took it, one look at the door. Well, first of all, the smell of beer hit me from the hotel door. I, I can... He walked in with a big, stupid smile on his face, did the I? smile and yeah. the squint. Yeah. yeah. And I just eye. looked up and went, you're drunk, <laughs> you fucker. And you, and you went, correct. Yep. I I was so drunk. I ended up... I called into a bar because it was too warm. I thought, I'll get a pint and cool down. Oh, they'll have aircon. They might have beer too, but yeah, yes. Mostly the aircon. <laughs> so I ended up speaking to... This guy looked like a young Axel Rose, oh, and wow. he was a diesel mechanic from, Buffalo I want to say, Buffalo, somewhere. New York, yeah, like upstate near Canada, and me and him were just swapping stories of stupid stuff with cars, and he was talking about, like, holding the throttle body open with a pair of vice grips, and then climbing out of the car, and surfing on top of the car, and things like that, and I was like, yeah, this is my sort of guy. <laughs> yeah. Somebody absolutely stupid. Are we, are we related? Yeah, <laughs> we could well be. <laughs> so, yeah, the third week. We just kind of thought, we went online again, no smartphones, went online in the hotel, looked up things to do, and seen this forest park in upstate, a few hours in the train. Went up to it, spent the week there, just kind of chilling, hanging out, doing nothing. We stayed in a log cabin on a lake, it was awesome. Yeah, it was so good, just so tranquil, but the evening, did everything during the day, and the evening just left and watched TV, and just had a nice way, it sounds strange on a holiday, but it was a nice way to wind down and relax. We had been up in the reception area for the hotels and seen this sign. It said car show every Wednesday, 7pm. I think it said car meet, actually. Car meet, yeah. Um, we thought, oh, maybe check that out. Sounds good. Yeah, so we think we asked a girl in reception what it was like. And she was like, yeah, a few of the local guys get together. They do a barbecue. And we thought, oh, that'll be good. So I had images of maybe 20, 30 cars turning we up. We were thinking of... At that time, we would have had the Sprucefield meets on a Monday night, do you remember? Yeah, yeah. The RMS. It used to be the dub meet, and then it just became the Sprucefield meet. Yeah. So, yeah, as you say, 20 or 30 cars, you know, people just hanging out in a car park was what we were picturing. Yeah, it was far from it. And being the land of the free, everything's bigger and better. There must have been four or 500 cars at it. Just mental. Spread over this, like, big, dry, grassy field. There was trade stands at it. There was, like, this is a weekly meet. They had trade stands at it, they had sponsored prizes at it. And when the woman says, yeah, they have a bit of a barbecue, there was like four industrial grills going. I was going to say, it was on an industrial <laughs> scale. They had kegs of beer, barbecue, just, it was just burgers and hot dogs, I think. Yeah. But it was just, there was just people cooking, 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 cooking and just firing them out. Brilliant. It was unbelievable. And everything from like stuff that we don't understand here, like you know, your muscle cars and drag cars through the to big like. big trucks, the yeah. big jacked up huge trucks there was a whole big motorbike section yeah JDM there must have been 100 stuff. bikes yeah you jdm just everything was covered german basically. yeah there was a guy there and he was sitting looking older guy looking kind of smug beside this old citroen and 
I think it was one of the old DSs, like the really, yeah, yeah. really old ones. Seventies pimping machine. Yeah, and he's looking there as if to say, "No one knows what this is." Mm-hmm. And I'm looking around it, and he said something smart like that. He was like, "Oh, I bet you don't know what that is." And I was like, hmm, "I bet you do." And he heard the accent. He says, "Oh, you're a lot closer to that than I would be." And I was like, "Yeah, definitely." But so good chatting him. But everyone's just so nice and interested and asking you stuff about cars that we have at home that they don't don't get yeah. or don't get to see. But no, just a good chilled out vibe. Yeah, and we've always wanted to go back to it to see. You know, is it still like? Yeah, that? and revisit it. And they have an Instagram page, and we just kind of keep an eye on it. it. Seems to get rained off a lot because it's a grassy area. Is it high up in the mountains? Then or? it is. Yeah, it runs up along the Hudson River, and it's they, they kind of they call it off maybe the evening before or that day. So if you were going, like if we were going out of our way to go to it, went over there, it'd be a bit of a shit one to. Yeah. kind of go that way and then have it called off but it was so good and just to have it so random in the middle of a in a, a holiday was brilliant and then back 2014 last episode Nigel you spoke about the Polish show Vag event yeah. Vag event and we had said that we had looked at going to it afterwards the following year but they closed it down right, it we in, on 2013 yeah was so it was invite June. only it was middle of June sorry so we lo- we looked at something else and we seen VW Days in France and thought that could be really good. It's just in the outskirts of Paris. It is, yeah. yeah kind of, I think if I remember right, it's northeast of Paris. So we hadn't long met. We'd known you guys. It mustn't be too far from Disney. It's not because we did that too. We yeah. tied it all in. Because we'd done Euro Disney about seven or eight years ago. So. Yeah, Euro Disney's brilliant. No, we, we'd known you guys a year or two at that stage, like properly hanging around. Matt and Lucy had fallen in that year and we... We put in, I think we put into one of the group chats that we were going to go, and they said, Yeah, we'll go too. So we booked it all, and we only really got together with Matt and Lucy about two or three weeks before going. I think it was the May bank holiday. We all went to the downshare because we thought we better go for dinner and a couple of drinks with these guys and see do we actually like them and do we get on with them before we go away together. Well, we had a so holiday book. You thought to yourself, nothing will bond the friendship together than far too much alcohol. Yeah, and. Well, at this stage, we had the, hotel, the, the whole thing was booked. We just kind of had to see, was it a mistake or not? But it turned out very well. <laughs> Worked out for the best. Oh, it was perfect. So we ended up, we flew over, say, we'd done, we stayed for a week, I think it was, done done the show, done Paris, That's done Disney. by IDF Club or something? It is, yeah. Brilliant show. It's on an airfield, or what, what was an old airfield. From and the war. And there's now a wind farm on it. Yeah. So the whole atmosphere of the show, the, the whole backdrop, just in the background, you can hear like the... Of the wind turbines yeah. going, and it kind of you forget just, about it after a while, but it's always there just in the unique, background. Unique location, a mellow it? vibe yeah. is, and it's set the old airfield. If you've ever seen any like history stuff about France and the poppy fields and stuff, you're driving through all that to get to it, and it's just it's such a real weird mixture of emotions, and it is in the middle of nowhere, and all the locals you've like. These guys in their 80s sitting on the side of the road outside this wee stone cottage, just like waving at on you. On camp and, chairs, just, yeah, watching, just watching all the go cars past. go past. Probably sitting looking forward to it every year. Yeah, something a bit different. Yeah. Really quite a small show. The actual show itself is like a, like a makeshift compound. You have the sort of the standard thing for a show now. You have a drive-on ramp, interviews on the stage. You have the videos going. A lot of really nice high-end cars. And then you have on-site camping, which you can go through. Again, some of the stuff that's in the campsite, you know, should be in the show. And maybe guys just don't care, just there for the fun. Yeah. Auto jumbles. You picked the whole up a lot way of stuff, up Lee. to 
the whole airfield is is part of the show, but it's not officially part of the show, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So as you're walking up through the pre bit of the show, nearly there's as many cars and walking around the campsites, and then on the side of the track, as you're walking up to the main compound, everybody has like an auto jumble set out where they've literally just whatever they've bunged in the back of the car to bring for the weekend has for sale. European I picked up parts. a load of stuff. Yeah, you picked up a lot of the uh, the Pink Floyd Mark Three parts. And a steering wheel, a which steering wheel. was then very difficult to get home. Yeah, I had to wear all of my clothes to make space for it in the, in the, in the suitcase. <laughs> in the suitcase you, to look bring like, it home. you look like Joey out of Friends that episode. Yeah, getting out of the plane. I um, <laughs> actually bust a, bust a button on my favourite pair of jeans doing that, which I've never really forgot about. The but, scar's still there mentally. Isn't yeah, it? Has, <laughs> you know, I don't buy very many nice clothes and these were a nice pair of jeans but they were destroyed but yeah. i'm probably too fat for them now anyway <laughs> so yeah another aspect of that is because it's on the airfield you have a lot of like the wee roads and runways through it so the show never really stops moving there's loads of guys just kind of cruising around coming and going yeah and there's none of this like burnouts and like just messing around it's just guys cruising up and down hanging out of the cars shouting at people waving just just so laid back and yeah like we 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 don't speak a word of French. None of us do. And anyone that made the effort to speak to you was just great. You know, and if they could help you, they could. And just really, really well-run show. So I'd, I'd definitely like to go back to it at some stage. I, I Yeah, I agree. Had, I think I talked in the last episode that I would really like to take Edition 30 over to it. Yeah, we we talked about driving to it as well. Because you could go down uh, Ross Lair and cross in the north of France and then it's a few hours from there to the yeah. show. Yeah. The biggest thing would be the cost of the ferry, obviously. It's a very big show for the English because it's so close to the Eurotunnel. It's about a two-hour drive down, so those guys can jump on dip. What is it, maybe £100? I think I, I think that's becoming an issue now. Just listening to social media last year, or watching social, social media last year, that there's a bit of messing about outside the event now. Yeah, there's a lot of the English over, and a lot of it seems to be rear-wheel drive Jap cars. And E36s. yeah. And they're just going nuts Drifting outside the roundabouts, burnouts. I think ADF Facebook page basically said, you're not welcome, don't come back. Yeah, and they don't understand. I think Fitted had the same thing uh, Alex had put up. Yeah. People don't understand how difficult it makes it for show organisers. Insurance, health and safety. Yeah, and even the, the support of the local people. You know, yeah. yeah, public perception. Because you can turn around and say, screw those guys, you know, we're doing this. But if you don't have the support of local people, they will make it very difficult. Yeah. And that's it's. It's the only way there is about it, but people don't care. They turn up, they go for the weekend, think they're Billy Big Balls, and you'll find people are doing that actually aren't true enthusiasts. You know, More than likely, yeah, they're there, they're fly by night car guys. They want the attention, probably. But yeah, that sounds like a really good show now. Um, and it wasn't without its mishaps either. So going ahead, tales, <laughs> <laughs> tell, yeah. tell us your tales. So we ended up in we went into Paris one night, and it was such a strange one because in France, a lot of the places we were don't serve alcohol after 10 o'clock. All the bars close, even if you're eating food, they want you out. So we ended up Paris one night thinking at least these places will be open. Of course, where do you go in Paris? The Irish bar. Ended up heavy session with two American girls. Ran ran over time essentially, drinking. Tried to get back to the train. Made the last train home. Only just. Only just. But the problem was the last train home was the tra- last train out of Paris. It wasn't the one that we needed. Because it didn't go to our stop, it stopped early on. <laughs> oh, brilliant. So, while Lee was probably the most sober and trying to corral three absolutely drunk idiots onto the trains, Lucy and I were 
messing around, carrying on like two children. Because when I go on holidays, I don't want to do anything other than just have fun. And I don't know what I said to her, whatever it was. And she sort of done this big exaggerated high five and spun around to slap my hand. And at 1am in the morning, the only other person in the entire room or in the entire train station was this Chinese girl who, when Lucy missed my hand, turned around and slapped her full in the face. <laughs> so, <laughs> yep. And I have never seen a more shocked looking woman in my life who happened to be looking at a train timetable and just got slapped up the face. <laughs> but so Luckily not getting an assault charge there. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> so we ended up, after a lot of hassle of getting off in the train station and heading back, I had to go to the toilet before I went to bed. Uh, no, hang on. Let's roll back a little bit here first. We got in a taxi at the train station who, first of all, refused to take us and then eventually agreed that he would take us back to the hotel. Had he witnessed the Chinese person getting slapped? He hadn't, actually. He, no. was, he, might, he might have drove away on us. So we were in the back of this taxi and Connor starts saying, I'm going to be sick. Oh, oh, he's a bonus for a taxi driver. Oh, yes, of course. Well, he couldn't understand. He was friends. So I just turned to him and probably gave him a look, something approaching a death stare, and said, well, I don't know how to say stop the car. I'm going to be sick in French. So just sit there and be quiet. (laughs) (laughs) Sit there and be quiet, I did. So we got back to the hotel. That was fine. Matt and I were standing outside and Connor was standing with us, just casually as if nothing was wrong. And I turned to him and said, I thought you needed to be sick. What are you doing? And he was like, no, I'm all right now. It's like, right, great. So eventually got back to the room. I said, right, are you definitely not going to be sick or can I go to the bathroom? So I went in, brushed my teeth, did whatever, came back out and got into bed and Connor went into the bathroom. After about 10 minutes, I heard this strange noise coming from the bathroom and I thought, no, it couldn't be what I thought it was. So I got up and went and opened the bathroom door. And it was a tiny little wet room bathroom where the toilet was nearly right behind the door. So when I opened the door, what did I see? But Connor, stark naked, on the toilet, with his <laughs> knee propped against the back of the door. Your, to, your finest arc, Connor. he didn't want to fall off. To keep himself upright, snoring his head off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow, Connor. I could fall asleep anywhere. That's special. Uh, evidence by that story. <laughs> <laughs> you may put them photos up in Insta stories. Uh, Thankfully, Lee didn't take any photos. If it had been her, I would have you'll took get, photos. You'll get the account blocked, so you will. <laughs> Do you know what it was? When I th- when I thought what I heard was snoring, I thought as soon as I opened the door, he'll wake up. So that's why I didn't bring my phone with me. <laughs> oh, what's her move? <laughs> so, so yeah, as always, bit of crack, bit of drunken antics, and some yeah, cars so thrown in along the way. That's part of the part that's of the fun of a car show. Yeah, that, that's what it's all about. Yeah. It's the best thing, and we've said that even on the last episode. It just for us, it is. The cars is a big part of it, but the people and the fun is just what it's what it's about. I think that comes as you get older. When you're younger, you're all about, oh, I have to modify my car, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, that's still an element when you get older, but it's more about the road trip, the friendships. Getting away with people. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's, it's good fun. Speaking of getting away with people, was the next one then in 2015 we did was MIVW in Holland with oh, yourselves. fantastic, yeah. We all flew, flew over. Would have been twelve or fourteen of us, probably. Oh, some crew stayed yeah. in, stayed in Leiden, south yeah. of Amsterdam. Best steak I've ever had in my life. Yeah, Argentinian yeah. steakhouse. Five years later, Lee is still talking about the steak. Yes. So, no, that, that was good fun. Um, they do uh, like a pre-show on the Friday night in the NH Hotel. They basically take over this massive hotel for the whole weekend. The show's Thursday. in the multi-story, yeah. if I remember right, yeah. and then 
the high end stuff like the Mark Ones, Mark Twos. It's all a strange sort of hotel. I've never seen another hotel like it. It's it's like it's set up for conferences. There's yeah. a lot of big rooms to, to walk through, and and then there's wings of ro- bedrooms as well. Yeah, but there's a lot of big big walkways and. And then there's this multi-story. Like, it isn't in the middle of the city. It's Yeah, it's on the, the outskirts. Country. Yeah. Yeah, so you have all, like, the Mark 1s laid out through it. All, like, you know, the high-end stuff that you would know that you see online some, all the time. Some of the finest Mark 1s and Mark 2 golfs I've seen there that yeah. weekend. When we done that hotel, I said to myself, I was like, if that was the show, that's it for me. I'm, I'd be happy. I yeah. could go home happily from that. It was brilliant. And they've continued that. I'll talk about that later on with their new format. But, yeah, it's... They're trying to get back to doing something similar with it. I think the hotel show on the Friday night is basically the highlights, the highlight cars of the show. Because the next day you went to the airfield and there was the highlight cars. And then there was other, like, the there fi- must have been a thousand cars in the airfield. Yeah, it was it's massive. A, yeah, it's a big but airfield. The best cars were the cars you basically seen on the Friday night. Oh yeah, yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. There's a lot of filler stuff and it gives people a chance to yeah. show their stuff too. Yeah. But definitely, and I think you were the same, Lee, that the hotel itself was, it was a highlight for me. Yeah, I was slightly underwhelmed by the main show. I mean, it was good, and there were definitely good cars at it. It was a bit dull. It was a bit, it lacked atmosphere for me, and people said that it was a big show that everyone hyped and said it was fantastic, and this was the show to go to. Maybe it was because the previous night was so good. Yeah. That me and Robin were talking about it last year, and we, we would happily just fly over for the Friday to the hotel. Yeah. Rather than do the show day. Yeah, well. yeah. And then, then go on the rip. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> do, do you remember then as well that uh, we're trying to make it out to the show field because we had yeah, so many people we soon discovered that bikes bicycles were a big deal in Holland more so than taxis and trying to get taxi was no mean feat no I think so we, there was probably 14 or 15 of us, of us trying to get from our hotel in Leiden about six or seven miles away to the airfield. Yeah, I think it was about two thirds of the group managed to get taxis, and then you guys got left behind. I was, I was the marine. I was left behind. You go on. Oh, I. You know, ever the gentleman. Couldn't get another taxi, and then I sort of went. Oh, you can hire bikes. Let's hire a bike. Let's cycle out. So Danders down the street, and we got these bikes hired out and opened our phones to see where to go to because you know. You do. I don't think we followed Google Maps. We just sort of went, ah, there's the airfield on the map. We'll cycle out there. But what we didn't realize is there was only, it's a massive airfield. So cycle the way out and the bike lanes and paths in Holland are just awesome. We had so much fun cycling. Um, I'll put pictures up. There's probably five of us done that. Yeah, I think there is. We cycled for about 15 or 20 minutes. think we're going to get in this entrance we'd seen on Google Maps. And then we discovered... There's only one entrance into their field, and so we had to go another half an hour right the way, the whole way around. And, uh, I'd have died. Yeah. I couldn't have done that. But I remember cycling back and turning to TJ, who was there with us that weekend, and I said, I don't care if we get to this car show or not. This has been the highlight of the weekend <laughs> for me. <laughs> just, <laughs> just cycling ut- about. Utter stupidity. <laughs> just one of those things that was so random, and it just turned out so funny. I remember you guys. We were ringing you guys, and there was no answer, obviously, because you were cycling, but we didn't know this. And you guys rang us says yeah we're at this entrance so we went down to meet you and you're standing all these bicycles it's like where did you get those yeah but the weight of them they were ridiculously heavy oh they they industrial grade yeah you weren't going to do any bunny hops on them no they weren't going to break too easy anyway no there were one speed steel framed machines wear down with lead they were like you ever see the city bikes you can hire in um, middle major cities in UK or whatever I like the dad coke bikes yeah but they were heavier than them. Yeah, they've like built-in locks on oh, the frames uh, and all. Yeah, yeah. yeah but that was, that was funny. You guys turned up with that. 
but that was 2015. You actually, you're working um, for an aircraft um, manufacturer. You do, well, particularly last year, you've done a lot of traveling. Yeah, I am. Um, a lot of trips European over to Holland. And it just coincided with 2019's MIBW, so you locked up. Yeah, it was actually quite handy. It, the dates worked out perfectly. And I looked it up and it was like, yeah, I'm in, I'm in Holland Monday to Friday before the show. And the show's, well, as we talked about the Friday nights, the NH Hotel. And then, the show hadn't been on. It had been cancelled the year before or something. Yeah, they lost their usual the, airfield venue. They lost the venue. I think this was the first year they had it back now, but at a different location. Yeah. And the location actually was closer to where I was staying. It was 15 minutes on the train. It was nowhere near where the show used to be. It was no. way down the southeast of the yeah, country, wasn't well, it? Yeah, well out of the way. Like 60 or 70 miles away or I more? think so, yeah. More south. Yeah. I worked it out then that essentially work were paying for my flights. I was like, oh, can't be bad to that. I'll tag on with this, but... Being on my own, I kind of thought, well, I know enough people, English guys and stuff, I'll fall in with somebody and hang out with those guys. It was like, oh, 40 degrees. It was so hot that week. I remember the pictures you sent me. I was stuck in a hotel. No aircon? Yeah, no air conditioning. And all I could think was, I can't wait to get to this next hotel and stick the aircon on. And of course, no air conditioning. I was like, oh my God, this is horrendous. Did they give you a fan or anything? Yeah, there's a fan to move the warmer around. Oh, it was yeah. great. I think the motor in the fan heated the air, the air up more. Ironically, then, when I was in work or in Holland for the week, we had no work on because we had a few problems and things like that. And I just found local scrapyards and was hunting through them and just doing the usual thing. As like you an do. Irish Jamie Orr? Oh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was. my problem was I couldn't get anything home, but I just kind of thought I'll have a wee hunt around. If there's anything that I can fit in suitcase, I'll take it with me. Just more to curiosity and something to do. But the heat was colossal. I was getting fried. The Friday night then landed to, it was at the NH Hotel as well, but it was a, a different one, obviously the new venue. And they tried to set it up rather than the cars being indoors. Everything was outdoor this year, probably because they hadn't run it here and it was just more likely planning or logistics problems. But with it being such good weather all week, I thought this would be really busy. But that Friday, there was massive thunderstorms and there was reports of flooding and stuff like that. And I think it actually put a lot of people off coming. The weather basically broke. Yeah, and it beat them because the the turnout was okay, but there was minimal cars compared to what we yeah. had seen in 2015. So I was just kind of hanging around the hotel. Didn't see anyone that I knew. Was a bit bored and thought, all right. But I didn't want to go back to the room because it was so warm. And I was just like drinking beer and standing around taking a few photos. And Jamie Orr then, who most people probably know was the ambassador for Volkswagen, builds cars does a lot of promotional stuff and challenges with them he was building a 6n polo uh, color concept for sema and he added that to the show so being a slight polo nerd that i am i was just kind of having a hook around it and nosing around things and i got chatting to him and i was bored and i was like do you want a hand with this because he was building the car at it and he was like yeah yeah and he, we could chat and he remembered it spoke to him at alpine vag for and he knew who it was and done my own work and stuff and he was like yeah work away so just kind of took into it and suddenly it's half 12 at night and I'm standing <laughs> washing door seals in a hotel sink. And it's just like, how do you get roped into these things? <laughs> but it was it was good fun. And I said, to be honest, it was probably the highlight of my weekend because it was something totally different. Yeah. And I was on my own. I wasn't going to lie in the room because it was too warm, nothing to do. Your sauna. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, the sweat box. He was supposed to be going to the show then the next day. And needed parts, couldn't find the parts. And I happened to set him about 20, 30 miles away, these scrapyards that I'd been in. And he was like, and I'd seen polo parts. And was like, 
right, I'll go there in the morning. I said, sure, I'll go with you for the spin. So I ended up going with him, picking parts out through, swapping stories and talking shit. And ended up at the show quite late. I actually drove the polo into the show then for him. He had a Marin bicycle, which was being built in conjunction with, he's sponsored by Marin as well. So he had a Harlequin Marin bike. He was building it too, so... He got his original, the one for the Jetta. Stolen, stolen. yeah. He had a Color Mats one for the Jetta that he built for SEMA the year before. And I think it might have been on a boat. In the back of it, I don't know what happened, but it, it went missing anyway. So this was being built, and we ended up then going to... We ended up a bicycle shop to get a few... He ran out of time, in a sense. He says, I'll try and get a few finishing touches finished up on this here. And they had no time. They couldn't do it. And I was like, well, fair enough. You're landing into a shop, you know, last minute trying to get something sorted. And the owner said, happened to, she said that her father-in-law used to own the shop and he worked from home. And she would ring him and see, could he do it from home? And I was like, oh, fair enough. Very, very nice. We went to the scrapyard, dropped the bike off, went to the scrapyard, come back, got the parts we needed, come back to get the, the bike. And it's at the guy's house. So we pull up in Jamie's van with the polo on the back of the trailer in this random housing estate, go down this lovely gardens, like giant koi fish and all, this guy building this bicycle out the back of his house. And I'm going, this is the strangest setup I've ever been in. Are you dreaming? Yeah. And they, they're like, oh, what are you guys doing? And what, what's this for and all? And they're just super interested in what is actually going on. But yeah, it was a really, really weird concept. Just amazing where stuff leads you sometimes. Yeah. So I fell in with, um, do you know Vicky Ellison? Yeah. Yeah. But the hangs out with the edition 38 guys yeah. the Beatles friends of Lenny's I bumped into her and Graham and when we we're having a few drinks and ended up chatting with those guys and catching up and turned out to be a very good weekend but yeah. the show itself again it was at Aquabest which was like a man-made beach again I think it was the weather and it put a lot of people yeah. off it kind of put a real dampener on it we ended up drinking with the MIVW guys and meeting those guys on the Saturday night then and chatting them about it and they were saying that they're going to try and get it back to indoors again on the friday night and build it up to what it was yeah. so i'd definitely like to go back to it again but it's just unfortunate that the weather beat it this year as you know with running shows yourself the weather makes or breaks something so easily you can prepare all you want but sometimes the weather can break you yeah you but know. no it was it was a an change interesting of venue sometimes can oh for sure can yeah change a show or put people off or make people unsure of what yeah. it's going to be like and maybe I'll wait till next year and see what it's like or yeah if they're on the fence at all they're not going to go with it yeah fair weather showgoers yeah pretty much <laughs> not hardened seasons showers like ourselves yeah um, so do you want to talk about your American shows the Vag Fair and Alpine Vag Fair then yeah again this was one we weren't even supposed to do we kind of there was two then there was with the Vag Fair shows there was Alpine Vag Fair which was a new one and we had originally looked to go on a Vag Fair York so we had everything kind of set to go to it. That's, that's East Coast America. Yeah, down the East Coast in Pennsylvania. And then when they announced Alpine Vagfer, which was set in the same town in Helen, in Georgia, where Southern Wuthersea used to be held, Sogo. And again, when Lee and I first started going out back in 2009, we were seeing Instagram, Facebook pictures of Sogo, and we were like, oh, we'd love to do that. And then it met the same sort of fate as we talked about with the MIVW, with people taking over destroying it yeah. became a party session and it essentially shut down so when this appeared again we thought oh i'd love to do this so i i text leah i think a screenshot the flyer for it texted to Lee and says oh should i went to this and she goes why don't we go and i was like hmm and it's like yeah probably shouldn't go financially Were you drinking wine that night lee no she drinks wine every night <laughs> <laughs> 
No, I'm just I can be kind of impulsive. Do things on a whim, yeah. you know. Yeah, why it not? It wouldn't be the first time we've booked flights for a show the night before and yeah, just gone. Yeah, that that's happened for uh, fitted on a number of occasions. Bad day in work. Let's do this. Yeah. That was like one of the fitted ones. I was sitting in work on a Saturday afternoon, going, "This is fucking shit. Fuck this place. I hate this place." I was ready to turn my hair out in my work. That, that, that was probably us doing photos of it. Yeah, you guys were actually over. over. Yeah, I rang Connor and said, "Do you want to go to fitted in the morning?" I've looked at the flights; they're about sixty euros, and he said, Sweet. "Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, why not? <laughs> go for it." So up at four a.m. to head down to Dublin, jump on a plane. Matt, we had text Matt and seen that he wanted to go and he was like no 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 and then he got drunk that night like he, i think he texted like one in the morning was like left me on the way <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we ended up then we made the arrangements and i've been speaking to Corey, who's one of the event organizers for the vag fair shows i just messaged him and said you know we're coming over for this where should we stay because it's in the town we didn't know the layout of it what's happening we've seen loads of photos from southern Worthersea, but we we're not familiar with it and he was like, yeah, come and stay with us, come and stay with us. And we're like, you sure? And he's like, yeah, yeah, love to have you. And got us the prices. They were staying in this log cabin out in the woods. And he thought, well, that's great. If they're the show organizers, at least if you're chatting to them, you're going to know what's going on. Everything's good. We met it over, drove roughly two hours or so up the road, mm-hmm. um, landed in absolutely exhausted, wanted to stay up for another few hours just to kind of go to sleep, say, 12 o'clock their time, wake up in the morning, kind of resets you on yeah. the, their schedule. So, of course, when you're super tired and have time to kill, you go to the bar and get drunk, which oh seems dear. to be a common theme. Yeah. <laughs> so, in the Big Daddy's bar, and you're just kind of like, you're walking through, taking it all in, because you're seeing these streets that you've seen online for years. But the, the, the village itself, or the town, village, yeah, it's it looks like an alpine village. It looks like a Bavarian village yeah. that someone has dropped from a helicopter into yeah. the mountains. It's... it's a, yeah, we'll, po- we'll post pictures of it on the page. And then you've rolling hills and beautiful countryside. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. And that was a big thing even after the show. We stayed for a day and toured around the place and just were sitting in awe of it. It was so good. Yeah, we're just kind of walking through the streets, half half asleep, looking for a bar, kind of going, this is brilliant. Because you, you felt like you were in a picture that you'd seen 10 years ago. Yeah. It was funny the first night in the bar as well when we hadn't met anybody yet. And we were looking around thinking... I wonder how many people in this bar do you know from Instagram and you've spoken to them online, but you just don't know, what, you don't know their face. Yeah, and that actually turned out to be quite true. Yeah. We were we got chatting to people later then. We we stayed in another, like a random motel because the guys hadn't arrived to the following day then. And we were, the plan was then we'd meet them, get the keys off them, find out where it was and then just do our own thing and try and kind of stay out of their way, thinking if they're organising the show, don't want to be annoying them. The Friday then, the way it's set up is they have the main show is on the saturday but on the friday they have loads of meets so the way they had broke it up was they had mark one meets mark two meets mark three meets if, if you can think of a a model essentially of golf or like sirocco corrado passats diesels you know the ending was a wee bit different to kind of group them all together and split the times over the course of maybe what six hours lee yeah so you could kind of make all of the meets. You know, you were if you wanted to do the Mark One and the Mark Three meet, they weren't at the same time, and they were all kind of within a five minute walk of each other around the town, just in parking lots and flat bits of grass, and it just it's amazing to get a town to do that. It's just serious. Yeah, well, speaking speaking to both Corey and another Paul Barney, who's one of the other organizers of it, 
There's quite a few clubs came together to make it happen, but it was so difficult with the way Southern Worthersea was left that the town didn't want anyone back, essentially. And they went with the attitude of, most people would go in and say, well, look what we're bringing your town. We're bringing you this trade. We're bringing you this. But they went in and essentially said, please take us back and try to convince them that it wasn't a case of, you know, we deserve to be here. It's we want to be here and will you have us? And I think Paul spent the guts of a year flying up from Florida to Helen to speak to them in person. And these guys you are talking, these guys are all 30s to 50s, so they're a bit more mature. But the fact I think that Paul actually went up and spoke to them in person really helped it. And he's a, he's a level-headed guy. He's not going in roaring and shouting. He's, he's a good guy. It took such an effort to make it work. I think that's kind of why they're so protective of it online. When this was all going on with the meets, they had it set up that they didn't officially run them. So you had guys like from the Mark II Mayday guys, which is another Mark II show over there. They ran the Mark II meet, similar with other meets. And while this was going on, the, the Alpine Vregfer team had, like, well, the, to us they were massive because everything's bigger in America, but massive, go, like, petrol engine go-karts, they, or golf not go-karts, carts. golf carts. And they just drove around the town essentially placing what was going on. And if they seen someone messing around, it was shot down yeah. right away and, like, these guys, really nice guys, all decent, but like so many of them are either ex-military or lunatics you're not going to mess with, and they shot it down yeah. really well. But at the same time, we're down around the town, minding our own business, and they pull up beside you in the, in the golf buggy. He's like, how are you getting on? Are you enjoying it? And just, again, such nice people. So the, the meets were great. We hung around, bumped into a few people again that we'd known from Instagram. And it was like Instagram 3D, essentially. You know, you were like meeting all these people that you'd spoken to before, but not met in person. And fell in with Nick and Rachel, Mark II enthusiasts, and just had such a good time with them. I've I seen a few pictures out there, and you're in the back of this very nice cabriolet. Yeah, that was uh, my friend Ralph, um, Reckon Ralph on Instagram. Big shout out. Yeah, the American Eagle himself. Yeah. He. Caw, caw, caw. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, he loves that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Raf and I had been messaging back and forth on Instagram for maybe three or four years. And we had been chatting and I had said that we were coming over for it. And he was like, yeah, I'd love to do that. So he had made arrangements for himself and his wife and his son to come down. And it was great. And I was like so excited to meet him because you're like, I spoke to this guy like literally every day for three years. We've talked on the phone, we message. But I was like, I started to get nervous. I was like, what if this guy's an asshole? First date syndrome? Yeah, I was like, what if this guy's an asshole? And then <laughs> what started, if he thinks you're an asshole? What if I'm an asshole? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was, that was more my panic, was what if I'm an asshole? So he was running late, did a massive drive. I think that a 10 or 11 hour drive down. And with a two-year-old child, that's... That's a, commitment. Yeah, it's a big feat. So they were running late anyway. And we were kind of hanging around the Mark 1 meet, knowing that he was aiming to get to that. So turned out then we spotted his wife and his child walking down the road. And, and I recognised his son from Instagram immediately. You didn't call out his name. <laughs> no. So he's, this, uh, mommy, mommy, there's a stalker calling him a name. <laughs> uh, his son's so distinctive. He's just this massive big head of black hair for this wee kid. He's just, he's so cute. I recognised his wife. So we kind of made our way over. And I don't know if it was our manner to walking towards her or what, or because I'm just some random stranger with a weird accent. You know, and you're trying to be quite polite and not freak anybody out. And so I said hello to her, and she's like, "Oh my god!" And realized who we were and threw her arms around us, and she said he was up trying to register the car to get it into the show. Meeting those guys was fantastic, and then 
We ended up then on the Saturday night back where they were staying. Met his sis- Raf's sister and his brother-in-law. They barbecued for us on a V8 barbecue. As you do. Yeah. Because the best. Let those eagles soar. Yeah. <laughs> it was the best meat I have ever eaten in my life. You. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for goodness. I know, but it, I know th- this is a this is a car podcast, but I just need to take a minute here to talk about some delicious food. Because I am a steak <laughs> Take a moment, Sam. person, yeah. as as we talked about earlier, and I love steak. But this pork that Matt cooked for us. That man can grill. Beat a steak, hands down, any steak I have ever had. It was so good. Yeah, It, it was unbelievable. Shout out to Matt. Yeah. You are a legend. <laughs> the New York legend. <laughs> that was brilliant. The food. I mean, we just spent the evening with them guys drinking and eating and just talking crap and Again, swapping stories and comparisons of what it's like living here and there. Yeah, and teaching them some Northern Irish phrases. Yeah, get to know each other over a barbecue and beer. Yeah, yeah. so it, it was unbelievable. And then back to the Friday, then we were hanging out with. I think it was actually Nick and Rachel at that point. We we're having dinner, and at this stage, we hadn't went to our cabin. But I had the address. Corey had sent me where it was to look it up, and I was like, "Yeah, it's good. We know where we are." Probably about half nine, ten o'clock. We thought we really should make tracks here head back to this cabin, see where we are, because it was dark at this stage, and we didn't really know where we were going. But and we par- knew there were bears. Yeah, we'd been warned that there's bears in the mountains. So we were like, yeah, we'll probably want to find this. Jumped into, the, I think it was Taylor Rav 4 we had. Yep. And I'll tell you a funny story about that in a minute. Headed off out of the town, into the woods, find where we were, followed the sat-nav, not a problem. Took off the road onto like a dirt track. I was like, yeah, it's fine. And then the dirt track turned into this lane which had hedges up either side of it and was essentially the full width of the Toyota RAV4 <laughs> and was climbing steeply up the mountain. And I was like, yeah, this is... like This a- turned into a horror movie rather quickly. Yeah. Um, like, there's no street lighting. There's nothing. There's drops off the sides. I'm driving on the wrong side of the road, which is... Well, you're hurry. driving in the middle of the road. Yeah, because <laughs> I don't know what's happening. And we can't find the place. There's no signs and houses. And all I can think is, I'm going to go up to some randomer's house and I'm going to get shot. Yeah, we were in the deep south after all. Yeah, the people don't fuck around there. So we couldn't find this place. Of course, there's no there's no phone reception. So we couldn't even phone them, couldn't message them, say where it is. And we drove for an hour up and down that. We drove back to civilization to ring them. And then I thought, it's 10 o'clock at night. Those guys were up at 6 in the morning for this show, you know. All the while I'm running around, stopping at houses, kind of like creeping around the house going, is there anyone in there that I could wrap this, you know, and look friendly? And in the back of my head, all I can think is there's bears in this mountain. <laughs> so I've never seen a bear. I don't know how big they are, how quick they are, but I don't want to You're face thinking, one. How do you wrestle a bear? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we just kind of cut our losses that night. And then Lee booked a, another hotel back in the town and we headed back out to it. It was good fun. It was good adventure and gives us something to talk about because yeah. it's the sort of thing where nothing goes to plan, but that's what makes your stories good. Part of the journey. I'll tell you the funny story about the RAV4. So when we turned up at the airport to pick up our hire car. Oh, yes. <laughs> we were queuing up and when we got to the desk, the man behind the desk said, oh, cool. What's that on your shirt? And I looked down and of course, going to hire a car, the shirt that I had chosen to wear said, live fast, drive hard on it. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, this guy's like, what's on your shirt there? Give give this woman something really rough. <laughs> and actually, the second time we were in America last year, totally by accident, like, I don't even know how it happened, but we turned up to the hair car desk and I looked down and of course I was wearing a shirt that said race or die on it. <laughs> yeah, I think you're just taunting the people don't, now. Don't give her the Mustang. Yeah, give her nothing. <laughs> Rollerblades. Yeah, and then you decided to get a tattoo when we were there as well. I did. It was very, very hot. 
Very hot. And we were at the Mark Three meet, and some of the Americans are used to the heat, and some of them aren't because they come from different parts as well. But we definitely were not handling the heat very well. No, this was thirty-five degrees. And uh, <laughs> at one point, halfway through the day, I just felt so lightheaded and sick, and I had to go into a bar. And then they said, sorry, we've no tables. We can't serve you for half an hour. And I literally, I think, gripped the desk and was like, I need to sit down now or I'm going to fall down. Yeah, you don't have an option of serving me here. You need to treat this. (laughs) So the guy sort of turned white and ran off to the back to get me a glass of ice water. Once I sat down and had some water and chilled out for a minute, I was fine again. But I honestly thought I was going to pass out. And then, and then half an hour later, I went and got a tattoo. So I obviously recovered all right. Oh, yeah. I, I see nothing. Like, uh, comparatively, I'm very stupid. And I was going, yeah, you probably should just cancel this tattoo appointment. You know, you're being small... Mr. Sensible. Yeah. And he's like, no, I'm going for a tattoo. I'm like, all right, fair enough. That's fine. <laughs> so being the loving boyfriend that I am, she went to get her tattoo and I just cleared off around the Mark III meet. And I was like, well, this is this is what I came for. <laughs> <This'll do me." laughs> you didn't sit beside her in the chair and held her hand there, I, there, dear. I think I actually told you was give the guy your phone number and if anything happens to you, ring me. <laughs> I think that was the thing. <laughs> just try not and die while I'm away looking at the Mark III goals. Exactly, <laughs> this is what I'm here for. Yeah, then the, the next day, then you have the, the Saturday is the proper show day. So it's pre-selection, so you have to apply online to get into it. And it's a very... It's again, it sort of filters out a lot of the crap and the focus on high end stuff. And it's the problem there, again, similar thing with the other shows was it started raining really heavy. So they had a stage set up for driving on and off for the prize given and things like that, which they couldn't use. But it didn't matter because the mixture of the town itself and where the setting and location, the cars you were looking at, and the general atmosphere, the weather could have done whatever it wanted because it just worked out so well. It just kind of scaled everything back slightly. Because, obviously, people are trying to avoid getting drenched. Yeah, we were Irish. We were fine. We were just wandering around the field in the rain while everybody was running for cover. And we were like, this is normal, don't worry. What's the problem? I I was walking around in shorts and t-shirt in in torrential rain and people looking at me. And I'm like, no, it works for me. You would walk about in shorts and t-shirt if it was minus 10 degrees. Yeah, I could do an Arctic exploration. (laughs) I'd be fine with it. There'd be a picture of you up the top of Everest. You'd have shorts and t-shirt on. I am that guy. (laughs) No, the show was brilliant. The standard of cars and the... It's weird for us because being part of the, in inverted commas, UK and Irish scene, sometimes you see a lot of the same cars. But for us, it was a totally different experience to go there and see cars that we'd never seen before or seen online, maybe. But Yeah, there was nothing there that I had actually seen in person before, which is brilliant. Kind of reminds me of the Polish show Vagavent. I've never seen that before. Look at the detail. Wow. You know, and it's the all detail. Yeah. Kid in the candy, candy store. Yeah. The show they centered around then. The MIVW guys, who Emil and those guys who had said I was drinking with them this year there, after their show, those guys, two of them had flown in to do like guest judging for the show as Very well, good, yeah. and which was a big appeal for those guys because the Americans are mad with the European scene, the way we are with their scene. And then the, the prizes even they had were beautiful, the, like wooden trophies with like silver plaques embedded in them. Just such a really, again, I keep saying it, but laid back, nice vibes to the show. You're walking, it's kind of spread over the town, but around the streets and stuff. It doesn't feel like a show field where you just kind of walk in and you're like, there's a car, there's a car. It's something different. You're interacting with the environment around That's you as well. That's it, yeah. It's, it is like a mini Worthersea or Southern Worthersea, which was the previous show that was there. Kind of had that vibe going for it, and these guys have monopolized on the on that. Yeah, the thing that has stuck with me is the the atmosphere of the whole town, of walking around. And there's other cars there that aren't in the show, but they're people who've driven in for the show in their own modified daily or whatever. So there's cars everywhere. And the 
the noise is the thing that you can't get from the pictures and especially with us not being used to hearing V8s and things rolling around but always in the background there's just the noise of these cars rolling around the town it was great yeah like you're over here and everything's diesel and rattling around and as I've, I've mentioned before <laughs> like you, you, mean. <laughs> you know me with diesels but stuff's driving past you and everything's a vr6 or a 20 valve turbo yeah. or and it's just the nice burble of exhaust notes and you're like that all adds to it yeah where again here especially on the european stuff is a lot more diesels and i'm just like no nah, it doesn't interest me one in particular that stands out for me was another one of the guys that we met jackhammer yeah with the guy with the porn star name um <laughs> Jack. he has the coolest dog and the coolest truck axel yeah. in the world i think it's a maybe i have to look up what the truck is it's so, big it's a big ford it's some sort of big ford pickup truck that he does a lot of like haulage and stuff in uh, i think it's a dual wheel in the back but this thing is actually yeah. absolutely huge and just like and to them it's probably nothing but again this thing rolled in i was just like what in the name of christ is that because that is cool Maybe it's because we're the foreigners arriving in and everything's totally new to you, but it's just, I don't know, it, it just all adds to the experience and it's definitely something I will, well, I will do again and I'd advise anyone else to do. The thing is now that you can get flights from Dublin to the East Coast of America if you book six months in advance relatively cheaply. Well, that, that kind of leads us on to our next one there because with going to that show, we made friends with so many people and people that are still in contact with us, like if not every few days every week you know i'm talking like all the time and they're like yeah we're, we're going to come to you guys and invite you over and anytime you want to stay come and stay with us but Corey, then one of the the organizers he happened to say then before he left that he was going to holidays in ireland mm-hmm. so we could chat and was like when are you coming over and it turned out then that where was he stanley ennis and you were working down in ennis in the same week yeah spooky and it, yeah and i mean where were you staying maybe five miles apart yeah so he wanted to come to Dublin to see, I think he wanted to do the Jameson's fact. And I said to him, I was like, sure, I'll come down, jump in the train, take the day off, jump in the train and go meet you. So we did that. And then kind of thought, why not just travel back across Ireland with him in the car and stay with Lee and we'll all tie in. So we ended up doing that. Of course, a common theme, a few drinks later, Corey's telling us, you should come over for our other show. You should <laughs> come over for Fag for York. And I'm like, yeah. Airling us up. But, drunk midnight. well this was what six weeks before the show yeah and we we're like there's not a chance flights will be colossal yeah. we can't do this so a few drinks later we parted ways lee and i are sitting drinking on and she pulls her phone out and it's like do you want to go and i'm like i would love to go and it's like let's look for flights and i was like yeah whatever because i thought flights is going to be two grand there's not going to that we ended up flying with norwegian air yeah which were really no frills yeah budget easy jet of atlantic yeah they make like ryanair look plush like these guys are charging you for <laughs> everything like a transatlantic flight where you're you're paying for your food there's an option not to pay for food yeah. lee brought a lovely uh, llama lunch pack alpaca alpaca um <laughs> with, with <my> sandwiches, sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> so this was no frills but like it wasn't expensive like well it's expensive enough to on a whim to go but again this is our holidays so it worked out return flights for two less than 900 pounds yeah six weeks before the shows so we flew into Stuart, which is up above New York, and drove down like five hours. So we ended up, the flights was delayed. I think actually the pilot didn't turn up because they put us onto the plane, then took us back off, oh, which was great. And I thought we weren't getting. And we landed there a lot later than we thought. 
and we had this five hour drive down. So being in America, we hired a pickup truck and Yeehaw. Yeehaw indeed and headed off down. But it was Japanese, so why not? <laughs> Yeehaw. That's, <laughs> that racism. <laughs> five hours drive down to York in Pennsylvania from sort of mid to upstate New York. I am falling asleep the whole way down the road and I'm like, I'm going to kill the two of us here because this is so bad. We eventually met it and then ended up going around, messaged Corey again. He says, yeah, I come around to Kenton's house. He's one of the, the show organizers for that show and landed around. And Kenton's house is like, it's what you kind of paint a picture of, a, you imagine a suburb America would look like, yeah. you know, like the wooden wooden houses and pivot fence yeah the garages out the back you know double garage stuff and it's just like i just was like this is unbelievable this is where i would live if i lived in america and again i've said it before so nice like we pulled up and he's like my house is your house do whatever you want you want water you want drinks just treat it like your own if you want to stay you stay and it's like this there is was people camping in his back garden and I, how, how many people would have been in his garden that night oh i don't even know 30 50 50 yeah i don't know it was there's photos and people coming and going and all the time you know, and the neighbors the hub for we said to him was like do the neighbors not give off and he was like no well the guy next door was an ex drag racing mechanic yeah he built the engines for like top fuel cars i think it was or something mm-hmm. so he doesn't care the guys across the street older guys are driving like bagged pickups like 50 stuff and all <laughs> i was like this guy's living the life yeah we, and again we met the same Automotive people cul-de-sac then. yeah it was unbelievable so we, we met the people that we met all, a lot of them at Alpine Vag Fair. And then we met new people like Adam, those guys. Um, Adam, he drives a blue uh, Mark 1 Rabbit. Nothing would do him. You have to drive my car. It's an ABS swap and all. It's like, this is unbelievable. It was great. Again, the show, really high-end stuff. You can, a bit like Dubshed where you can pre-enter the good stuff to get into the good areas. Or then there's the show fields for general show car parking. But yeah, again, the weather was fantastic. It was so hot. We got absolutely fried. Corey had asked us what to... What time? It was August, wasn't it? It was August, yeah. Probably, what, 30 degrees or so, mm. like, which is hot for us. Corey had asked us, would would we guest judge at it as well? So we're like, yeah, certainly, why not? There was a lot of cars. We kind I of got under- the Mark IV class, and I think it had the most cars. And I was so enjoying it, but coming towards the end, I was like... Oh my god, there's so many of these. <laughs> Make it stop. Yeah. <laughs> and it was so hot. So you went basically from judging the car in ten minutes to ah, mm. right next. <laughs> yeah. It was it was so difficult. I, I had the B five and B six Audi class, I think it was, for the F4s. And even a small category, but it was a lot to do. And I think we were judging for two or three hours. When you're in the middle of doing something, you kind of forget about what's going on around you and you're slowly frying and Towards the end, I think Raf yeah. gave me his hat, and was I was late. like, "This is too late. I am destroyed here. That's so you bad." Cooked on my neck, as you pretty. Know. <laughs> oh, I was so so bad. They have a really good way to do the show because there's something going on the stage all the time. Yeah, Corey's like myself. He's a bit of a chatterbox, and he's up and he's like, he's kind of like interacting with the crowd really well. And they're doing raffles for Foundation Blue. There's something happening all the time. So come the prize given, they have a really big big stage at the showgrounds and it's covered over so he'd said to us jump up onto the stage if you want shelter no from that so we were kind of standing out to the side and i hear him he's talking to the crowd and he says about yeah and we're friends over from ireland and applaud them and all and i'm like oh no here we go and he says yeah i'm gonna get connor over to talk about their show over dubshed in ireland and i'm like in your head you went wait what i'm like oh no <laughs> oh no and alarm bells are panicking you're gonna leave fire up the fire up the jeep we're going now like, this is so bad and like 
he hadn't said this to me at all. And I was like, I am put on the spot here. And Corey's one of these guys, you don't disagree. Like, if he had said, Connor's coming to talk, Connor was coming to talk. Yeah, he would have held that crowd for three hours for me to speak. (laughs) I was like, I just have to go and do this. And I get up and I start to talk. And I have no idea what I said to those people. I have no idea if they could understand me. He only said fuck twice, though. So I thought that was pretty good. That's pretty it's good. It's really you, good, yeah. I could have alienated a lot of people there. Tony Watson, one of the big photographers over there. Tony's done a lot of stuff for PVW and I. He actually got a really good photo of me, which is, I think, my Facebook profile picture. Stanton with a hat and the microphone on the stage, but I am so red. Yes. I am bright red. <laughs> That put me on the spot big time and anyone that knows me, I'm very outgoing and I'll always chat away to people, but I'm kind of weird about putting on the spot with something like that in front of a crowd because you're like, what do you say? Yeah. yeah. It's just so strange, but it was it was funny, but I could have killed him afterwards. <laughs> you want to see the laughs of him? I'll never be back. So yes. <laughs> Maybe that's what he wanted. <laughs> Drive me away. Another thing about the American scene versus our own is the support that Volkswagen actually give them. Something that we struggle with in Dubshed. Yeah, and I, I think it's probably not even just Dubshed. Any of the UK shows, you don't see any support from the other manufacturers as such. GT International, years ago, used to get back in from the centre group. Okay. Which is one of the biggest VW dealers in. But not Volkswagen directly? I think they had a stand, and but yeah, it's, it's a serious problem in this car scene here. That's what I was trying to explain to them. Now, don't get me wrong, we get Vito, uh, Phillips, the local dealer, has a stand at Dubshed, but it's not it's Volkswagen UK. No, it's I a local that level. Four or five years ago, Volkswagen Ireland were like, we want to jump on board, but because it's out of their region, they can do nothing. It's no good to them, yeah. Either yeah. sort of tied with it. And it's a bit of a pain in the ass that VW Ireland want to get on board, but UK don't. But that'll maybe change with Brexit, you know. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> so, Vag for York, great show. But it's not it's not a massive show in the case of like it is a big show, but it's not any bigger than any particular other show, you know. So you kind of think if it was a one off huge show, Volkswagen yes are gonna to go to it. But no, it's Volkswagen are still very much in attendance at it. It's good to see them recognising that the modified scene is an important part of their yeah, industry. On an enthusiast level. Um, I, th- I think it's basically re- recognised that, you know, the people that are modifying cars, yes, that's their show car, but they have a daily car. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's probably that a Volkswagen as well. Brand new or next to new. Yeah, well, that's it. They had, um, what did they have later? They had the modified fleet. So they had the Jetta, the Atlas, is there a Tiguan? They had a modified Jetta GLI, which we don't get anymore. They had the Atlas, which again, we don't get. They had the guts of four or five cars there, yeah. all highly modified. You're talking like coilovers, 1552 wheels, you know, rotiforms, wraps. So they're working in conjunction with other brands. Also. Oh yeah, it's not just yeah. a case of we'll it's, a pro- it's a proper program set up by Volkswagen America. Then yeah, yeah. The, these yeah. look like cars that you or I would build essentially, yeah. you know, and that's what they're pushing towards. And they had brand interaction, so they had custom. Well, there's one on your wall actually. Not that people can see it here, but that a Corrado poster made up for the show in particular, and I've, they've done that for quite a few other shows. So you can collect them all. Pokemon. They'd, like Pokemon, yes. <laughs> Yeah, the games where you get in an iPad in each car and you get in, you do all these games and you have like questions to answer and then you do all each one in each car and then you come back and you get like a like a gift pack if you've completed it all. Things like that sound so simple, but it gets people into the cars, it gets people looking around the cars. I don't know why they don't do it over here. Like you all know, we all know being into cars and the car scene, shows can get boring. Yeah. If you've been there on site with your car from like seven, eight in the morning, you've walked around, you've seen all the cars, you've had something to eat, you've walked back and seen a few cars again that you liked. Come mid afternoon before the prize given, there there can be a dead time of 
Yeah, it can be a long day. Whereas if there's activities and things going on and something else to do, it's it's an even better day out for everybody. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and even at a a more corporate level, we met Sean Maynard, who runs a lot of the PR side for Volkswagen. And Sean came up, I think Sean's in his late 30s, and he's had modified Volkswagens for 10, 15 years, maybe more. And he's running this, like the modified side of it. And like that's who you need doing it and that's why he's involved in the shows and he knows what's happening with them he knows the people and that brand interaction is priceless for me anyway like and i I just don't understand why it doesn't happen over here i I think it's just a slow realization that the social marketing the social media marketing brands are going to take a while to come around to it yeah you look at volkswagen of america constantly post on instagram they'll do like adverts for so they'll do an advert for volkswagen but there'll be a modified Mark One in it, you know, and there'll be a disclaimer at the bottom saying modifications may make your car illegal. Please stay legal at all times. May avoid your warranty. But the rec- that's covering their ass. But yeah, there is a need. They do see that there is a need to appeal to the people who are buying the cars, which is ourselves. Yeah, it's good to see. Well, thanks very much for giving us a small insight into your travels far and wide. Yeah, really hopefully there's a few more over the next few years as well, anyway. I'll maybe get to the East Coast some year. You should come with us, definitely. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's good fun. We're back again. We're going to Alpine Vag Fair again this year. And What date or what month is it? May? Like? Yeah, May. Yeah, it's May. So Alpine's in May and then... York's in August. August. And then they do another one in Maine, which is in July, if I remember right. June, I think. June. But we haven't got it. It's on the list, but it'll not happen this year, unfortunately. Yeah. It's very close to Alpine, so for us to fly back and forward so close is quite difficult, but it'll happen at some point. Good. Thanks very much, guys. No worries. To sum up our episode on the show scene, we've done an Instagram shout-out for you guys to share and some of your stories and maybe a few questions about shows you've gone to. So the first message we got was from Jakey underscore 195, your ex-work partner. Yeah. Young Jakey. He mentioned Dubshed, said Dubshed was the first car show he went to, fell in love with it. He says people make the show. He sums it up by saying great people and great cars equals great day. He's not wrong. No, absolutely. And we've got another few here. Go on ahead there. Kyle Poirier, Poirier underscore VW. I've probably butchered that man's name. My favourite show was called Wolfscart. It's in Essex Junction in Vermont, USA. Wolfscart was actually on the time that we went to Vagfer in York. It's actually another one that I'd like to do as well. He says, Truly my favourite part of the road trip is the roads from my house to the show. There's nothing, almost nothing the entire drive, but beautiful New Hampshire and Vermont scenery, which I've seen photos of that is brilliant. When you stop in some of the towns, the looks people give you are priceless. I went one year and my car blew a brake hose, so we had to fix it in the campground. Then the next day, my friend's car did the same thing. What makes shows great is the laid-back atmosphere. Always having little pop-up events after the show as well are fun. There's always something to do in the area around the show is amazing. Sounds like one we'll have to get to sometime then. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the pictures of it, well, one of the pictures that stands out in my mind was the Mark IV on the rotiforms that went on fire. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, the, no, that was awful. That rotiform then used as a, someone took a picture of it and rotiform then used it as one of their adverts saying, our wheels are fire or something like that. Did <laughs> 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 they ask permission for that? I didn't need to have. <laughs> But Is yeah, it, imagine seeing that the tear trickling down your cheek, your card burning oh, out you'd be an advert campaign. <laughs> Just a real boot in the balls there. I have a story here from Ronan underscore H twenty one. 
believe that's our bearded friend from Cork. Mr. Heggie. Yep. Uh, he says, I first went to Players Classic in 2016 in my Mark 1 when it was still a one-day show. Nothing beats driving across a country with your friends and we were blown away by the standard of cars at the show. Skip forward to 2018 and travelling over again with my Mark 2. Travelling over with friends in my car from Cork to Dublin and meeting the Northern Potato Bread Engineering Contingency at the ferry. The road trip is long, but it makes it all the more fun and the show itself keeps getting better and better. Last year managed to tie in with getting the car mapped on the way to the show, which I wouldn't advise anyone to do. Long story short, we blew the clutch on the dyno and had to drive another 600 miles round trip to the show and home. That'll be fun. (laughs) (laughs) After being to the show twice before, it's pretty humbling to be asked to park on the grass in the Maguire's paddock. Doing this both days is pretty awesome. Connor winning a top 10 for a second year in a row with his E34 is also some achievement. Well done to him. I think it's the only show I've ever been to where I came back to my car and there wasn't even a single fingerprint on the car both days. Yeah, that shows a lot of respect from the actual people attending the show for yeah, the cars absolutely. that are on display. Definitely one of my favourite shows of the year. Oh, you Don't love you it, yes. Oh, fantastic. And then when he's saying there about Connor went on as well, you actually have a message yeah, Con- from Connor. Connor gave us a message as well. Shout out to Connor Old. Um, he wrote and he said, aside from, aside from Dubshed, it's Players Classic, Players Show and Roll Hard. All have a great crowd at them for the most part. Great venues and such a selection of cars. Special mention to Midlands for the sheer crack over the weekend. Clean Fest is also great. It's the Scottish show up in Edinburgh. Good excuse to go to Edinburgh for a weekend too. And I've not been to a bad show, to be honest. He goes on to say, people make a show, then venue, then cars. The best thing about non-Irish shows is the lack of diesel cars. He's not wrong. Road trip stories, too many to mention between... DVSA and Scottish Police not liking my E34 at about 2.30am. All nighter to end up three up in a transporter with the car in the back aired out, mostly finished, or sitting at top end on the motorway in Mexico as a passenger trying to keep up with a certain Mark II Golf. <laughs> Wonder who that could be. <laughs> oh, of course. Whilst losing bits off a Polo GTI. I think uh, Connor <laughs> came off the boat going to one of the, I can't remember if it was one of the English or Scottish shows and had a slight run in with the police there that he's talking about. Yeah, a few exhaust problems and things like that <laughs> so the less said about that the better yeah thanks very much guys for putting your input again and our last sort of show mention before we move on to questions we sent in was from Aaron Sloan Colin. yeah I am Aaron Sloan on Instagram Aaron done the Rico rally back in 2018 with their friends Connor Brogan and Robin he says probably one of the best trips I've ever had great cars driving roads stories and met some awesome people the atmosphere, but more importantly, the people. As you guys have covered before, the cars come second as you get older and wiser. Well said, Aaron. He's probably our furthest away listener. He's in Australia. Yeah, he probably is. Yeah. Is it a quite to a send a wee special award out or something? You can hand it to him in person. Because That's right, he's come back. He's come back for Dubshed, yeah. yeah. I think he's bringing this good lady with him too. Oh, very good. Yeah. Good to see them. And then moving on to our, our questions for this episode, is actually the first one comes from Aaron again. So his question is, a car show that you haven't attended yet, but you would like to, could be anywhere in the world. Where would you go, Lee? I think we've probably covered Will Scart, Mark II Mayday, yeah. some of those other American shows. Mark One Madness for me. Yeah. Mark One's in the forest and getting drunk. Can't really go wrong with that. Oh, Wookiees in the Woods. Wookiees in the Woods. That. Yeah, the VR6 meet during the, the Dragon's Tale. Right the street. Dragon. Big time for me. Yeah, there's so much. We've probably covered quite a few of them with our discussions. What about you, Nigel? Well... The past five years, I've been trying to get it. Would be Worthersea. Yeah, <laughs> um, you'll make it happen. Also, yeah, Worthersea. That's the 
Speed Over's Paradise for to go to a show and just I'll make it happen someday. I quite like the look of the racism show um, in Poland. That's right, yeah. yeah Their advertising campaign's ridiculous. It's just went from strength to strength, so it has. They Is get, it they, they Poland or Russia? Rocklow and Poland. They've basically taken over an international stadium. Yeah. And this level of cars, again, there's cars coming from all over Europe that... Mm-hmm. It's it a massive drawn, yeah. But yourself? Actually, another one for me, and we'll probably will do it, if not this year, it'll be next year, well, two actually, is John Hanna's show, Treffin Punk South, which is held at one of the the NASCAR raceways outside Atlanta, Georgia. And you can actually, if your car's there, you can pay to take your car around the NASCAR circuit. Brilliant. I think last year, Corey took John's R32 Mark II out on it, was doing like 140 down the back straight. <laughs> so that's... We can get that for dub shit. That'd stretch, be good. Stretch the legs. Yeah. Um, Paul Barney's Euro Tripper show in Florida. Although I do think I would actually fry if I go to Florida. Yeah. It's so hot for me. The other question we have is from Jamie Thompson underscore 88. He's actually my younger cousin. He says, what would your advice be for lowering insurance prices for a 17 year old? Anyone, any advice for this young man? It was a long time ago for us. Lock yourself <laughs> in a cupboard for five years until you can afford it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Quinn Insurance doesn't exist anymore, unfortunately. Yeah, they were great for us. I think you might be out of luck. It used to be how you got insured when you were younger. A lot of the apprentices I work with, the younger ones especially, all seem to be going with the what I call the black box, which is... Monitors your speed. Monitors your speed. Aggressiveness of your driving. Yeah, it measures G-force on braking, acceleration, (laughs) cornering. I would have been been jailed if I was 17. My fear putting something like that is you'd never get insurance again after the look at the information and go, what the hell is this guy? (laughs) I think they review it every so often. They will either take... If it's so bad, they'll take it off you and cancel your insurance. Or they up the rate. The other problem you seem to run into is... People are trying to drive to the app as opposed to drive to the road. You know, so if you do need to like swerve out of the way of something, say a pothole comes up or something and you're going, I'm just going to write this car off and hit this pothole here because <laughs> I can't afford the insurance to go up. So, yeah, you're trying, you're paying more attention to what's happening on the app than as opposed to actually driving to the road. But that look for a car that is cheap insurance group, yeah. usually something kind of obscure that young people aren't driving and crashing. Actually helps. I'm afraid to say it, but the, some of the lowest insurance group cars are French now. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, I can't see him on that. Now, saying That's because that, nobody wants to steal them. He is. Oh. A, <laughs> he's a ridiculously hard worker. He's 15. He has his own car washing business. He is making money hand over fist. He's Just don't get him in trouble with the tax man here, for fuck's sake. No, he's good. <laughs> he, um, Shout out to HMRC. What, he, what he's doing, the best way he's going to afford his insurance is by expense expecting that no one's going to hand anything to you and you're going to have to pay for it but it's the only way you can do it i think my first insurance was two thousand pound i was lucky enough that i was under farmers union Aye. insurance so you got back in the days when you're under your mum and dad's name the insurance were fine with that and then i went out on my own i think my first insurance was about 1300 quid but back in the 90s that was back in nam the equivalent of three grand yeah 1047 because i'm a girl yeah <laughs> well it's okay they've got equality now you just don't get cheap insurance <laughs> they got woke that's it <laughs> final question then marty mem do you think purpose-built static projects are becoming more popular as air suspension is the standard these days i don't know i think you've always had that consent contingency of i'm static look at me i'm more hardcore than you are but air suspension is quite common and it's probably down to the fact that you can finance things now but it's still seriously expensive. Yeah, it doesn't seem to have come down in price. You know, you, you walk around, say, a show, and you think, oh, everything's on bags. But it's 
stuff that people's pumping big money into. You walk around your average, like everyday modified cars, they're not on bags. No. Quite a few are, but it's not the standard. The majority of people that are on dailies or springs or a good set of coilovers, yeah. if they're modified, like, you know. I know Marty's car, and probably what fed this question, is the fact that he's static and Golf R, is it? Mark 7, anyway. Yeah. And I think a lot of the more modern stuff is easier to run static on. Yeah, you've got more clearance in the wheel arches and sumps aren't as low. Everything's flat underneath yeah. compared to the older stuff. You look at a Mark II Golf and your sills are actually much higher than the underside of the car. So if you have a Mark II Golf that is on the ground, everything you can't see is a lot lower and that is seriously dangerous when yeah. you're driving it. Where a lot of this stuff is back to the like the Civics, EG Civics and stuff where everything was flat underneath. MX-5s are the same. It's so much easier to lower them. But I don't know if that answers his question or not. I think they go fully static and go ultra low like it's a brave decision than doing a daily driver i did both i i've done both I've, um, I have both uh, edition 30 it's still static and then the crado was air the main reason for running there in the crado was they run up a sat subframe they're lowering a mark 3 yeah. the, the r6 engine and i was just catching the sump all the time you could only lower it so much in the coilovers and still sat like a jeep but it had to be practical too yeah so in the end i had, just had to go for air i took me so long to set the car up and get it driving right and it it took literally like weeks and weeks to sort it out and I had it running perfect. It was just destroying the car. Yeah. You know, you hit a pothole, you're hitting like sunken manholes and you think, oh, you can drive around them, but stuff like that's on the road all the time. You kind of get pissed off when you're cracking the bottom of your front bumper or... Yeah, or, or like the splitter. My my yachting splitter was £380 uh. and I can't. you're not going to get another one <laughs> again. And if you are, it's going to be the same sort of money again. What's the point in risking it? You're not going to get static points in your club card? Like no. <laughs> no, no. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I answered that or not, but no, it's. Uh, I can see the I can see the want of both, like the static side of it. You're not worrying about airlines bags running through or anything like that. But at the same time, for the practicality side of it, I have no problem with air ride. But now, now they're coming into the market now. I think it's H and R developing the hybrid air, where it's a a bag. coilover in a bag. Yeah, is that the one with a bag on top? Of, like a yeah, yeah. It's like um, a compromise between the two. Yeah, but uh, going. I was researched into the pricing, and you might as well just go air. Yeah, I don't see, and people slower about air, they run it down, and uh, most of the people that have, most of the people that talk shit about air haven't driven on it. No. Or they've driven some cheap two-way kit that transfers the air between the bags. Yeah, it's like and driving about in a circus car. Exactly, yeah. Like but a waterbed. But they're bringing out performance struts and kits now. And yeah. It's, it's like Robin put his T5.1. It's a 5.1, isn't it? Yes, the transporter. He, he went from Bilstein Coilovers to Air and his. And he says, it drives better now. Yeah. Like so, you know, maybe years ago with the two-way systems. And realistically, if you're running a set of KW Variant 3s and you think you're a supercar race driver, they're probably better than what you could drive to anyway. I think it just, to answer the question, I think it boils down to what Personal suits preference. you. What suits you yeah. in your car. What works yeah. on what car. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Great input, Lee. Summed up by Lee there, yeah. Okay, thanks again for the question, guys. I think that'll do us for today. Yeah, yes. that's long enough, I would say. Yeah, you have places to be, Lee. I do. Other the, side of the country. Hit the road. Yeah. <laughs> what have you? Four or five hour journey? I'll probably do it in three and a half. <laughs> yes. I won't say where I'm going. I hope your insurance company aren't listening. No, no, no black box for you, Lee. No, you wouldn't <laughs> want that. Not what you're driving. Okay, thanks very much again for listening, folks. I uh, hope you stay with us to the end. And uh, we'll be with you again, hopefully, in another two weeks. We're going to drop these, hopefully, every fortnight 
Yeah. Um, this Wednesday. is Sunday, so it should be out this Wednesday coming. Yeah. yeah. Follow us on Instagram. Connor, what's your Instagram? At Connor McCann. Lee? At Maxwell House 46. And you can follow me at VDubboy. And follow us collectively on Facebook and Instagram at Reload Podcast. Just so uh, it's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from me. See you next time, folks. Bye.